Hello, and welcome, foolish mortals, to Make It Magical. This is Emily. And Clayton. Your ghost hosts. So what's going on with us, Clayton? I don't know, Emily, what's going on with us. Should we do mousekeeping? Yeah, let's do it. Is that what, is that what the, that's what the, what's going on with us segment? Yes. Mousekeeping? Okay. Well, uh, last week, we would have, or did, announce our Punish the Podcaster for Magic fundraising event under the Podcast Mics for Magic fundraising event. It's a little, lot of words. A lot of <laughs> little sub fundraising event. So if you want the specific details of what we're trying to do and what we are going to do to essentially uh, drive in donations, go check out our Instagram page. We have a few posts pinned and we have a, a couple story. We have a story highlights highlights there we go we have a story highlights going over all the details uh we hope to raise eighteen hundred dollars we will match essentially any donation that we get up until the week before we go on our trip so we have a little bit over a month to try and reach our goals yeah and um you know it'd be cool you'll get to see me do a lot of goofy stuff in the parks we got the stuffed Olaf hat, uh, so Emily put a story up of that over the weekend of me wearing that. It is as ridiculous as you could imagine. So You put, you put it on, you said, wow, this is really heavy. I'm like, well, of course yeah. it is. You basically have a stuffed animal sitting on your head. Yeah, so... <laughs> so go follow us go on follow Instagram if you're not at Make It Magical Pod. Pod. Please donate, and uh, for whatever we'll get, we'll go... Uh, We'll go do whatever we unlock in the parks. Correct. And if you are wondering, like, how much is a good amount to donate, literally any amount counts, especially since we are matching it. Matching it, So even a little bit goes a very long yeah. way. So whatever you're able to manage, that is more than enough. Anything we're able to bring in means everything because it is all going to a good cause. It's not like we're taking any of this away. It's to help children in need. So if you need to find any of those links about where to donate, that is all included in the show notes. But otherwise, you can always go to at Podcast Mics for Magic. In their bio, there's also a link to go donate. Moving on to our brand new segment that we introduced last week. Yeah. What would Walt do? So this is going to be something we bring every single week from now moving forward. I guess from last week moving forward. Yeah. <laughs> I will be bringing a hopefully a Walt Disney quote to every show. Emily got a, a new book of it's just mostly it's just Walt quotes. Yeah, Walt Disney official Walt Disney oh, quotes. Official Walt Disney quotes. She got it. She popped it open and she's like, "Hey, look at this. Hey, look at this." She was like a little. She was like a little it's kid. Like, well, this is the greatest book ever. She's yeah. She's like a little <laughs> kid. Hey, are you doing? Are you busy? Well, yeah, I'm a little busy doing something. Well, here you got to look at this though. So what would Walt do? bringing a Walt Disney quote every single episode just to remind ourselves about where the Disney company all started by the man himself. Today's quote. To the youngsters of today, I say believe in the future. The world is getting better. There still is plenty of opportunity. Why would you believe it? When I was a kid, I thought it was already too late for me to make good at anything. It's very, it's a very good quote. Very uh, optimistic, too, about really never give up. There's always something to look forward to in the future. And even when you don't think there's anything you can contribute, you're very wrong. There's always something you bring to this world. Great job, Walt. Some good words from the man himself. Yeah. 
That's a great quote for what we're talking about today. And we are continuing our People Mover Talk, part two. Today we are mostly talking about Magic Kingdom's People Mover. But before we do that, uh, we found a cool, we found a couple cool Disneyland related people mover facts. This is usually what happens. Yeah. We'll be done recording an episode and I'll find more information. There's just, <laughs> it's like boundless almost. So we, I felt we had to just bring it since last week we wrapped up our talk on the Disneyland people yeah. mover, the origins of how this attraction got started, where Walt got the idea. So if you have not listened to part one, please go do that first. I highly recommend you hear the actual like conception of the idea first before we get into Magic Kingdom's version of this attraction. We'll try to get through this quick with minimal sighing and complaining about the state of Tomorrowland and Disneyland. So first fun fact, the term people mover was actually just a casual placeholder that Walt suggested himself because the, pe- the vehicle moved people. <laughs> Go figure. Go figure. He assumed that his staff would eventually come up with a better name, but that never happened. And now we have the People Mover, which is a it's a good name. We hinted at that last week, I believe, that they just it, it kind of just stuck. But it's funny to know that Walt just suggested, like, oh, it's it's a ride that moves people. People Mover, yeah. perfect. We'll come up with something like better the, eventually. It's like the code name that they used at the start, but then it just kind of stuck. Sometimes you just, you don't need to make the ride title super long. That's one of the things that bugs me for today's attractions. They have to make the ride title so darn long. Yeah. Like Remy's Ratatouille Adventure, Web Slingers, Spider-Man, something. I can never even remember the full title. Yeah. Sometimes simpler is better. Yeah, like Rocket Rods. That was a pretty good name too. (laughs) Whoa, you're actually putting out Rocket Rods as a positive. That was a joke. Sarcasm. (laughs) Uh, Disneyland's People Mover moved at a speed of six miles an hour along a three-quarter mile long track containing 517 electric motors. Very fun fact. Very fun fact. Walt's intention was that the People Mover would eventually carry citizens of Epcot from their homes to shopping areas to their work in the centralized hub of the city and more. And we talked about this a little bit last week without having to use cars. So we mentioned yeah. how like implementing things like the monorail and people mover were an integral part to this envisioned city of Epcot. But like the only thing we really mentioned having to do with that, it would avoid like traffic mm-hmm. or collisions, traffic jams, mm-hmm. all of that. But you kind of dig deeper into this idea of how this would revolutionize an entire area. So it would also eliminate things like air and noise pollution save energy and do a ton more. Yeah. This is something that Walt was very proud and passionate about. Uh, And he actually had his friend Ray Bradbury, who is a famous author, come and write it before it was officially unveiled. Yeah, so they probably had, like, at the studio, they had a prototype where they could, because there were pictures of Walt actually riding this prototype around. We mentioned that he passed away, unfortunately before it was unveiled at Disneyland. But it's really cool seeing all the photos of Walt riding around on, like, it's a very, very, like, crude-looking <laughs> contraption of the people mover because it's, like, all just wooden. Yeah. And so we found this pretty cool uh, exchange between the two of them that really shows how proud Walt was of this idea. So what do you think of it, said Walt. Bradbury replied, it's nice, but what is it? 
Nice, Walt cried. No, it's incredible. That's our people mover climb aboard. No use talking about the future unless you build it. Someday there'll be people movers like this around every city and in every airport. Move more people efficiently, leave cars behind. So he was very much... He believed very much in this idea of the people mover expanding outside of his parks and just creating... Revolutionizing yeah, Revolutionizing transport. how we travel around much more efficiently, much more environmentally friendly. Like, all aspects were in mind. And Walt was so jazzed about this idea. Like, any quote you find about him talking about the people mover, he very much believed in this new transportation system and creating Epcot too. This one made me, it made me very sad yeah. when I showed this to you. It's very sad when you realize that the legacy of this in Disneyland is just... Well, the, the whole story, because it only yeah. exists in Magic Kingdom, but it's more just an attraction. Yeah. People don't look at it as Walt's original vision of becoming something much more. Yeah. So the whole story is very sad. It's an incredible one, though, to know this is where it came from. Yeah, the intentions of this were... It's very altruistic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just um, Sad when the actual execution of it didn't go as Walt envisioned it to be. That's, yeah. that's the hardest thing to <laughs> kind of swallow after yeah. learning about the, all of this. The execution of it never came to fruition the way he intended, and then, yeah, we are just kind of left with a... A reminder of it in a kind of a sad way in the Disneyland park, which is an extremely sad yeah, way. Which is, uh, <laughs> which I am what Emily's now made me because I'm uh, this. This has been these have been tough episodes. I'm just very upset about. You're the whole very thing. passionate. So actually, I also want to mention it again. This second part of the episode is again dedicated to our listener, Patreon subscriber Jared. And he, he had a very funny comment. I'm going to paraphrase what he said, but he's just like, wow, I've heard you guys this riled up about something since Genie Plus. Uh. It's just pairing everything together. We love the people mover so much. No longer having it in Disneyland and it just being an abandoned track. So you pair Disneyland State of Tomorrowland with the history of people mover, what it meant to Walt. Now that it does not exist on the e or on the West Coast, only the East Coast, it like it's even more bittersweet because we also don't get to experience the people yeah. mover very often. So when we do, like we will later this year, I cannot wait to finally go on it again in Magic Kingdom. But it's like you bring all these topics together. We're gonna get very passionate about it. <laughs> we watched a uh, we watched a Rocket Rods uh, video so to like uh, a couple by Yesterworld by Yesterworld, which I highly recommend you check out his channel on and YouTube. I, I was I had to pause it multiple times and just I ranted to Emily that this is <laughs> I I just started kind of ranting to Emily. Ah, this is our legacy in Disneyland. Ah, so but we said we would uh, we keep the complaining to a minimum on this episode because we did that in the last episode. So we'll, we'll try our best. Yeah, we'll try our best. <laughs> uh, this is actually a really, really fun fact. Uh, it's not so much to do with the people mover as much as it is to do in kind of a Tomorrowland, just for Tomorrowland and down the main thoroughfare of what would be Star Tours and what would be... What is now Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear. There's actually two 54 long foot tile mur murals on these buildings depicted depicting children done by artist mary blair so this used to be the case they yeah. are no longer there They're no longer there well technically they are still there but they've been since covered up i think on star tours they have like 
Star Tour specific paneling and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a very like spacey, spacey mural. Yeah, but these murals exist undamaged or unpainted. They've just been covered up uh, since uh, it seems like we covered one side in 86, the other side in 97. They still exist undamaged, unpainted, just underneath those tiles. It's in, kind of insane. I had no idea. So if you were to peel off these newer murals, yeah. you would find Mary Blair's original ones still underneath there. Yeah. It's like a hidden, it makes me feel like it's like national treasure or something. It's like, okay, now if you rip this off, you'll find the old his Disney history hidden underneath. Yeah. I didn't like my national treasure reference. Oh, no, now I get it. No, that's good. Sorry. It just feels like a big, it's just like a hidden piece just yeah. sitting there that nobody knows still exists. I would have just imagined they took it down, but I guess it's more cost effective since it is a tile mural, just cover it yeah. entirely rather than strip it all off and like repaint it. Now just imagine National Treasure 3, Nicolas Cage has to see something on the Mary Blair mural. So he sneaks into Disneyland, takes off one of those tiles. No? That's like, too weird. Un, he has to scrape one off, and then on the back of yeah. it is like a hidden little map. It's like a map to the underground people mover that still exists. And it'll, it'll tell you how to get into Club 33. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's a good <laughs> one, too. The secret to Man, getting, getting a, into Club 33. This is a deep cut. <laughs> uh, last one was uh, just a kind of an interesting... Oh, Sorry, I, I I also just want to mention, I haven't looked at the mural too mm -hmm. closely, Mary Blair's one, but one very interesting and tomorrow-esque feature of it, it highlighted the different types of energy, so sun, sea, sky, and water. Hmm. Like if we had more elements of that in Tomorrowland today, that's all still relevant because seeking other forms of energy is the future. Yeah, no, I'm looking at the mural right now. It's actually kind of interesting. You can see the Matterhorn behind it. Did you say what it was called? They were known as the called the Spirit, Spirit of oh. Creative Energies Among Children. This is the one that features children in the world frolicking and making music. So I think the second one you're talking about is... doesn't say. No, it says they're both called that. Oh, they're both called that? Yeah, it says collectively. Oh, we're known collectively as. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, you can uh, you know more about what I'm currently reading and looking at. <laughs> Okay, this is the last little bit yeah. that we wanted to add on. So Imagineer John Hench, we mentioned several times in last week's episode, he was the major influence in the redesign of the exterior of New Tomorrowland and on the People Mover. So he was attempting to create a more organic approach that would welcome guests to the future. He worked very closely to help design the look of the People Mover trains i guess that's the proper term for them yeah cars yeah he wanted to have them evoke like soft symmetrical arches that was like a very prominent feature also in new tomorrowland like a yeah. lot of arches and curves yeah curves. if you look at the curves because <laughs> if you look at the uh, people mover track and the currently motioning that's not great podcast material yeah i'm trying to think of what the technical term for a pylon uh the pylon because okay. the pylon's curved right yeah. it's, it's very yeah it's not like they're not just straight not jagged. Just, yeah it's not it's not like you see a uh like a freeway py pylon where it's just like flat and straight it's you know it's supposed to it had it's you know curved and curved outwards it's very cool so yeah. for the people mover trains this 
is only applicable to the Disneyland ones because they are very starkly different yes, than are. Magic Kingdoms. So John Hench, he had the support columns resemble curving tree branches with softened shapes and edges. Just an interesting design choice to make the little trains a bit more appealing and probably more inviting. And to go along with the overall new theme of Tomorrowland and look. I guess it makes a lot more sense to have it be curved and kind of like this way look uh, in, in the theme park versus, you know, everything being kind of laid out in a grid, I guess, is a little less um, inviting. I guess it's now time to talk about Walt Disney World. Yeah, people let's mover. move to the East Coast. Although the People Mover closed at Disneyland on August 21st, 1995, a second variation of the Wedway People Mover opened at Walt Disney World, specifically Magic Kingdom, on July 1st, 1975, and it is still in operation today. Actually, Walt Disney World's People People Mover, I always want to say Poople Mover. <laughs> like, I, it, I trip over my words a lot, the so if I mover? try and say it too fast, it comes out as Poople Mover. <laughs> Disney World's People Mover was originally planned to have a much longer and meandering path. So if you look at Disneyland's, it's not just a straight, right. flat track. It has a lot of ups and downs, curves. It goes all over goes up, Autopia. Yeah. It, you see the submarine lagoon. It weaves in and out with the monorail. There's a lot going on with the track layout for Disneyland. Yeah. So that was the original intention for Walt Disney World, to have something similar to Disneyland's and to also have it take you kind of along the lines of how Autopia did. So Disney World has the Tomorrowland Speedway, allow the people mover to have a good view, kind of interweave, mix in with all of the race. I guess more like a race car theme with Tomorrowland Speedway, it seems like. Hmm. We haven't ridden it, but it's a bit different of a vibe than Autopia. That was the original intention. In the mid-1970s, the plans were actually changed. So it sounds like pretty close to once they were starting to build the actual track, mm-hmm. they decided to go a different route with the actual path for their people mover. They decided to go with a different route for their route. Yes. Sorry, I had to do that. <laughs> different route for the route. Yeah. As Imagineers started working on the people mover, they swapped out the rot- rotating tire propulsion idea, which was used for Disneyland's. Mm-hmm. They wanted to make it a bit more updated and efficient. Now the trains would be powered by environmentally friendly linear induction motor magnets. That is a mouthful. Made that change with the whole way these trains would be moved about in the track. They also made it a bit shorter also than Disneyland's. It wouldn't meander as much through Tomorrowland. You still get that through Magic Kingdom. Yeah. It's just a bit a bit less than the Disneyland version was. You know, I made a uh, an induction motor for my physics project. Uh, wow, well, do you? Yeah. So I, I kind of get. So what could you make a people mover? Could you bring back the people mover at Disneyland? You can help update the track. Theoretically, yes. <laughs> Theoretically, I could. All right, we have the man for the job. Disney hire on yeah. Clayton. Yeah, Just, <laughs> I'll help uh, fix that people mover. Uh, that way, I'll know whether or not they're telling the truth about the structural damage of the pylons. <laughs> Okay, moving back to the whole tires for Disneyland's and no longer having that, having that in Disney World. Lack of tires meant, which makes sense, that no longer would Goodyear be the sponsor for Magic Kingdom like they did at Disneyland. Now, the Edison Electric Institute would become the original sponsor for Magic Kingdom's ride instead. 
even the cars were made very differently. So I highly, if you've not seen the Disneyland ones, go check them out because they definitely have a very different feel than the Magic Kingdom ones. Yeah. Instead of having enclosed cars, Magic Kingdoms were now open air that would now travel under a permanent roof over the guideway to allow guests to have a much better viewing experience. That is a huge upgrade, I would say, to the Magic Kingdom version. If you watch the old Disneyland ride throughs, it does feel very enclosed. And you were asking me about that. You're like, wow, there's like, why are the bars all around the people mover car? And yeah, there's just a reason to make sure people stayed within the vehicle, unfortunately. Can't can't have nice things. Yeah, the the Magic Kingdom ones are very nice because it gives you a great open view. It's very relaxing. Yeah, very relaxing. The engineering and design of the Trek itself was also reworked. While Disneyland's version regularly changed elevation, which we kind of just mentioned, especially during all the outdoor portions, Disney World's would remain at the same elevation entirely. That's something I never really thought about. You don't yeah. go, you don't like go up, you don't do Because you go down dips. and up kind of through, uh, when you're over Autopia, you kind of go down and up and come back up. So yeah, this in Disney World, it's all level. Yeah, it's, it's a bit more straightforward, I would say. It's, it's not yeah. so much like a meandering path. Yeah, that's true. Imagineers also designed an entirely new system that was more efficient than the original. So the number that I could find was, which is kind of crazy for Magic Kingdom's version, 4,600 guests per hour. Now we can compare this to other very high-capacity rides, for example, like Haunted Mansion and Pirates. Haunted Mansion is able to get through, these are like approximations, mm-hmm. of course, so keep that in mind. Haunted Mansion moves about 2,000 per hour. Pirates, about 3,200 per hour. Is that, that's Walt Disney World Pirates? Yeah, I tried to find it for Magic Kingdom's version. Is that higher or lower than Disneyland's? Do you know Pirates? I probably You probably don't know that off the top of your head. I don't. Yeah, I just really. <laughs> I don't have the. Well, I'm curious ca- if it's because numbers in yeah, my head. <laughs> I'm curious if that's because it's like a shorter ride and as such it is higher capacity. But that's a that's a different conversation. Sorry. But those two rides, you think about pirates. Yeah. That's typically. I mean, we haven't been to Magic Kingdom in a while, so I can't tell you what the line is like. But at least at like Disneyland, that's what we're f- more familiar with. Mm-hmm. Both Haunted Mansion pirates. No matter how long the line is, it keeps moving All because the they can push so many people yeah. through constantly. They are very reliable rides. They rarely break down. I mean, Han Mansion stops a lot, but that's more for, for ac- accessibility. L- l- yeah, more for accessibility. So there, those are huge numbers. But then you compare that to something like that People Mover, and that's nearly double what is Haunted Mansion. Just, just think how nice it'd be to tuck away 5,000 guests an hour in Disneyland right now because yeah. it's just like it's so busy there's there's like clearly capacity issues having something like this that eats people in another part of the land another part of the park would be highly beneficial yeah they definitely need to bring people the poop mover oh, back wow they really need to bring more people movers back to like the disney parks that's yeah. not something you see that's created very much these days no. i think the closest equivalent we've seen Maybe outside of a Disney park, they created the Nintendo World, mm-hmm. not at the Hollywood Studios version in LA, 
but I think it's the one that's like international, the first one that opened. I don't know if it was Tokyo. Don't ask me specifics, but they have like a Yoshi kind of people mover ride. Hmm. I don't think it's as high capacity, but it's mainly just to give you like an overview of yeah. the land. Hmm. They should like do if they did something like this in Galaxy's Edge, just to give you like overhead views of oh, the yeah. entire land. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be cool. awesome. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Bring more people movers back. Yeah. Literally build like anything in Disneyland for capacity's sake. But yes, bring well, back the people. They did claim they brought Mickey and Minnie's. That's true. That is true. We'll have to check it out. So the capacity. The capacity. That's where we were. Yes. <laughs> I was trying to figure out where we were at. We went on a tangent. This was all meant to be a reason for improving and being the future of public transit. And this shows why this was the vision because you could move through so many people at such a fast rate incredibly efficiently did you know that it opened up as an e-ticket attraction yeah this was actually a really hard fact to find some places said it started as a d but there were a couple places that said at least for disney world's version it very briefly was Was an an e-ticket and if you were to look at old pictures of the people mover sign Mm -hmm. like where it would say e-ticket and was later changed to D ticket and almost looked like there was like a covering over it so they could just plaster a new ranking for the ticket. Uh huh. Hmm. Yeah, this was originally intended to yeah. be like a huge draw. Oh, yeah, here you go. The Wedway, Tomorrowland's uh, E ticket, Wedway. I'm assuming that's the Wedway people mover. So, yeah, E ticket attraction. That's but a... later downgraded to a D ticket in the following year, but even still a D ticket. Considering a D ticket is still. Your your second highest tier, that's uh, pretty impressive. I mean, to be fair, I guess they, they do that with every new attraction now these days. They put it on the virtual queue and then individual lightning lane. This was back in the 70s, But this is though. back in the 70s, yeah, that's true. So this 10-minute tour of... Oh, so this, <laughs> this, I just wanted to bring this up. So 10 minutes for Magic Kingdoms, mm-hmm. Disneyland's 16. was 16 minutes. So it, from the sounds of it, it's just they cut down well, I think the that, rest of the outdoor portions yeah. because it's not like I mentioned, it doesn't really meander around, around Tomorrowland, Tomorrowland Speedway. Speedway yeah. So this 10-minute tour of Tomorrowland has been a staple of Magic Kingdom for years. Similar to Disneyland's original version, this track was laid out to offer a guided tour of Tomorrowland as well as taking guests through some of the land's attractions, including Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger Spin, Space Mountain, and Mickey's Star Traders, as well as the you can see the architectural model of Progress City, the prototype for Epcot. It passes by Tomorrowland Speedway, not over. Mm-hmm. And along the upper level of the Walt Disney Carousel of Progress, you can also see Tron from it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. I mean, you don't go through Tron; don't you can just Tron. get a nice Ooh, view. Could you imagine how cool that would be? That would be really neat. <laughs> you see, like the light bikes going around you. You're just, be... like, you're just kind of going away, and you're like people move your car, and these like people in these like light bikes are going. <laughs> I guess that would have been a very that would have been crazy, very big issue if they were intending to do that, yeah. considering how long it took them to build Tron, because they would have to keep people mover closed. If yeah. they were still doing all that construction. That's true. So I guess that's a better. It's probably. <laughs> it's I mean, let's be realistic. They probably wouldn't. Uh, yeah, let's be realistic. They probably wouldn't have moved it out there anyways. But because it's not like it's it's like tucked back there, isn't it? Uh, Tron. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it for myself yet. Well, Glenn. when uh, we watched the video, it seemed like it was tucked. It's out a back bit there. more tucked back, but yeah. yeah, you can get very nice views of the whole canopy. Yeah, you for do. Tron. Yeah, you do see very nice views. So, so you it'll know, be nice and dark. Yeah. <laughs> 
looked at each other. I had the same thought. I was going to say, well, obviously, we want to ride Tron at night. We want to go on Tron at night, but going on the People Mover at night to see the canopy all lit up, that would be really cool. Yeah. Plus, you get views of the castle. You can see other parts of the park. It's almost like a requirement to go on People Mover during the day and at night. What is interesting, it had a similar format to Disneyland's. Magic Kingdom has the Astro Orbiter like sitting on top of the loading platform for People Mover. That's how Disneyland's used to be until they did the whole new Tomorrowland of 1998. And they moved the Astro Orbiter to now be at the front entrance of Tomorrowland. Oh, and you pointed out a very interesting idea you had you, that never occurred to you until you learned about all of this. Yeah, so I... It, I put two and Just two together. Just on you. I, yeah. And we're talking about the Astro Orbiter thing, right? Okay, yeah. So when they did the, uh, the Disney Decade. Tomorrowland 1998. Yeah, the Tomorrowland. Is that what it was called? Tomorrowland 1998? It was just New Tomorrowland. New Tomorrowland 1998. They took the Astro Orbiter off that hub, and they put it down where its location is. And, of course, the Tomorrowland 1998 theme was like this kind of borrowing from discovery land for the tools for thing. so i just now realized so everything was turned bronze everything was turned bronze everything kind of looks has this like jules verne kind of look and i only just now realized that the astro orbiter in its like look that it's currently in is still bronze and everything it's just basically a relic they didn't change it it's just a relic of new new tomorrow new tomorrow land this is this is why it's also interesting because it's the exact copy of i don't know if it's called astro orbiter at disneyland paris Mm -hmm. but theirs has that exact same same look so they just did a carbon Uh. copy and that is the only existing part in disneyland of their attempt at a new tomorrowland because everything that was bronze has been removed they used to have what people call the french fry rocks do you remember those yeah those are gone at the very entrance those have been removed so now it's the only existing part and yeah that occurred to you yesterday like huh relic (laughs) You're like ah, that never occurred to me. Fossil of a bygone time. You I do. Know, I do like, like the look of the Astro Orbiter. I mean, that it's is just cool. it looks cool, but when you put it all together and you realize that it's this kind of well, now that you know, now that I, mean, I now that I put two and four together of like why it looks like that, like two it and does, four together, yeah, <laughs> why it looks like it does. It's just like, I mean, I'm a lot sad by a lot of things with Tomorrowland. But. Now you're more bitter. <laughs> <sighs> it's just, uh, it's like it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Why don't we completely shift I'm not into crying. a different topic? Clean? I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> I'm crying a lot on the inside. But let's talk about the Progress City model. Yeah. There's, this is actually something very cool. There's actually a lot getting into this, but I think if we talked about the whole story about its creation, this would go on for way too long. So what we're going to do, we'll just do like an origins of the Progress City mm-hmm. model for Patreon. Um, but we'll, we'll do a little bit of an overview because this is part of magic kingdom's people mover so we can talk about where it started and a little bit more in depth on that while you are on the attraction you pass through tunnels that have various windows and openings for you to look into and one of these opportunities one of the most interesting sites you will see is a large diorama containing a portion and this is a key thing a Portion. portion emily showed me a picture of the whole thing and it is probably they cut out a circle of maybe a third of it maybe it's it's much much larger or was much larger and this whole model was called walt's progress city so this was the entire 
model imagineers put together to evoke what epcot would look like or what walt intended it for it to for it to look like this was also used as the inspiration for the epcot theme park the model which is described in the attraction as walt disney's dream for an experimental prototype community of tomorrow is actually an important piece of disney his history his his history <laughs> it is a very important piece and that's one of my favorite parts yeah. of the people mover is passing by that model. I almost want the people mover to go slower so I can take in all the detail. Well, stuff like that is just so cool. Because like when we go to the Walt Disney Family Museum, the model of Disneyland, it's like in the same era type. Like it's like kind of the same, I don't know, fandom portion of like you looking at these scale models that they basically kind of had built and stuff. Or And then there's also the model that exists in Disneyland, right? In the... um opera house opera house and those things are just so cool and it's really cool that we've like been able to keep at least portions of these to kind of go back and look and and you know see you know this what they worked on when they were putting all this stuff together and planning all this stuff this is how it wasn't done in a computer they built scale models essentially and now they just do it in a computer it's a little bit different but there's something very nice about a tangible model that you can view and kind of you kind of get a little bit more from it by by viewing and being next to it. Oh, 100%. This model originated at Disneyland Park and was previously a piece of that park's Carousel of Progress post-show from 1967 to 1973 until America Sings came in. In that version of the attraction, the final holiday gathering scene offered a glimpse of Progress City, off in the distance through the windows behind the audio-animatronic figures. Afterward, guests would head up to the carousel's second floor where they could explore an entire 6,900-square-foot-foot model of the city. The Progress City you see on the Tomorrowland Transit Authority People Mover route is only a portion of that model, which was moved to Walt Disney World in 1975. Yeah, so they literally just, like... Cut, cut a circle. Cut a circle and took that piece out of the entire model I don't think there's any knowledge about what happened. Maybe there is. I didn't do too much in-depth research. But imagine if they cut just like a section out of the center of this model. I can't imagine they would have kept the remainder of it. Or maybe they gave it off to some people that worked for the company. So that part made me a bit sad to learn that it's only a very, very small portion that exists now in Disney World. I'm really glad it's still there. But could you imagine back in the day, like first off that they had a post show that long ago, like now that's a very common occurrence for Walt Disney World. Once you're done with an attraction, they have a post show, like areas you can interact with. You think about Test Track, they have the different cars you can check out. You take photos. They do that for a lot of the rides now. But this was something they did back in the 70s in Disneyland. You'd be done with Carousel Progress go upstairs on the top building and you could just walk around this huge model and take your time and observe it for as long as you wish. That makes me a bit jealous. I really wish you could still do something like that, but that's not really possible if they've cut it up and just removed a section out. Yeah. Now, now you can just look at the innovations or interventions building, kind of look, look at it from the outside. (laughs) Think of what used to be in there. Yeah, what used to be. I mean, you think about how big that building is. 
that model would probably take up the majority of that upper floor. They keep it, it, room for yeah. people to walk around, but that gives you a pretty good That's idea pretty about large, how yeah. large this 6, was. 6,900 square feet is, uh, is quite large. Yeah, and if you look up actual pictures of people with this entire model, it is huge. Like, they're walking on top of it, and it just it just engulfs them. Yeah. No, that's very true. They're like, they would be essentially standing in one small portion that would represent like one neighborhood. And uh, that's how big that model was. So like we said, not only did just a very small section of this model survive, also a very small amount of movement and lighting remain in it today. There are fewer houses, fewer cars, and the landscaping is almost non-existent compared to the original. So yeah, the original was literally sliced up in various places to now fit the space that it currently takes up in Walt Disney World. So it sounds like it hasn't really been taken care of over the years. It's kind of just been sitting in there. A lot of the movements died off. Yeah. It's a lot darker now. I still love seeing it, and I wouldn't even know because I don't have anything to compare it to and how it used to be. Hearing all of that, it just makes why me they sad. Wouldn't upkeep it. Why, yeah, why wouldn't they upkeep it? I don't understand. I mean, considering, especially coming out of the pandemic now, that's a pretty easy well, yeah, question to easy, answer. That one is easy, but it's not, it's not like something like this. But this is a huge, huge piece of Disney history. So it, to me, it's almost it, something it's, like this. I'm glad it's on the people mover, but I just wish it was in an area like encased where you walk around it and look at it at your own speed and really appreciate it rather than only get a small glimpse by moving past it. But I will take what we can get. I'm just happy it still exists in some fashion today. The Wedway People Mover in Magic Kingdom has gone over a number of changes over time. The attraction today is known as the Tomorrowland Transit Authority People Mover. But this wasn't always the case. The names and the narration for the attraction have varied over the years. It originally opened as the Wedway People Mover and remained from 1975 until 1994. I guess for its... 20th anniversary, I uh, got a little bit of an update, or a couple updates, but the original narration was provided by longtime Disney announcer Jack Wagner. Is this the guy that... Uh, he's, when you hear over the loudspeakers, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, the very famous voice, he's called like the voice of Disneyland. Ladies and gentlemen. Also, one thing that he's very famously known for, he's the person that does the Matterhorn bobsled spiel. Remain seated, please. Hear him while you're waiting in line. Hmm. Permanecer sentados, por favor. I actually didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know The voice that. of Disneyland hmm. was the voice of the people mover at one point. Hmm. Wagner had a longtime relationship performing various voice work for the parks, as Emily said, most famously for the Matterhorn bobsled. Do you want to do it one more time? Remain seated, please. Remain seated, please. Permanecer sentados, por favor. <laughs> You give me approval. You're shaking yeah. your head or yeah, nodding well your head. Well done. Well done. <laughs> in June of 1985, his narration was replaced by the voice of ORAC-1, the commuter computer, voiced by actor Ronnie Shell, which was used until 1994 when the attraction was revamped for the new Tomorrowland. See, Magic Kingdom also got new oh, Tomorrowland. Oh, my goodness. I think maybe we're doomed to have these Tomorrowlands because we keep calling it new Tomorrowland. Maybe the that's the newer problem. newer Tomorrowland, newest yeah, Tomorrowland. The, new, the newest <laughs> I mean, again, new Tomorrowland just is like not cutting it. I'm sorry. It's not cutting it. Uh, okay. <laughs> 
The new Tomorrowland, and we're talking Magic Kingdom's new Tomorrowland, changed theme from being a showcase of future technology to a working city of the future. This focused on the future that was never was, but always will be. This now is, that is a great idea. That's kind idea. of supposed to be the how you supposed, you know, alternate reality kind of alternate timeline kind of future. This is something that wouldn't go out of style. You know, there there came one out with a TV show uh, on Apple TV where it's supposed to be kind of like a reimagining of like the 50s and 60s where like all the sci-fi stuff that they came up with with like like hover cars and like living on the moon and like those open like house gondola kind of stuff like that kind of stuff kind of has like a timeless vibe to it like you could almost kind of do like that alternate timeline reality in tomorrowland but kind of theme it a certain way it'd be kind of funny if they did make that tomorrowland because that is what we thought the future would be yeah. for a very long time that is not what we got but it's just it, a it's it, kind an of alternate like a, version it of would what be we thought. it would be kind of it would essentially kind of solve the problems it'd be similar than in aspect to you know like Adventureland, because it would be it's set in a timeless part and it's like a re-envisioning of what the future might have been and it's a way to go to that possibility instead of right, always it's not passing up what, we what yeah. the future is going to be and it's this just, people mover would fit into that technology because it could have been like a thing that would be used this is something in that Walt's future Walt thought right. could have been the future yeah. that's not what happened but it all makes sense so I, I'm all for keeping okay. that as Tomorrowland. All right. I've I've fixed the Tomorrowland problem. Don't worry. We'll do a whole Tomorrowland episode where we try and fix it. We're not just going to keep complaining and not give a solution. <laughs> right, Clayton? You got it. If you're going to be negative, you got to have a positive and have a solution. I think we just fixed it. So we'll talk. <laughs> we'll we'll elaborate more. But I think I think we fixed it. There's your starting point. So we were focused on the future that never was, but always will be. The People Mover was rebranded to the Tomorrowland Transit Authority, TTA for short, and even that fits into this kind of reimagining that I'm thinking about. Because that's the kind of name that they would do. Yeah, and that name would stick until 2009. Peter Renaday Renaday took over the narration, and he also uh, has provided the voices of other, well, now Disney World-only attractions. Max and Henry for the Country Bear Jamboree. That's another one that's like a current and extinct attraction, huh, Emily? Yeah, extinct at Disneyland, current at Magic Kingdom. This new narration would try to engage writers in Tomorrowland's fictional sci-fi setting. The TTA's new backstory... Okay, now get ready for this. This is a really cool backstory. And this is, again, from 1994 to 2009, made reference to the... Transit Authority's three different lines, the blue, red, and green line. The blue line, which constitutes the actual ride, was Tomorrowland's intra-city elevated train system. The red line, it's like I'm literally watching an episode of that show. We, I mean, we haven't started the show, but I saw the trailer, and it's, this is literally like what it's trying to evoke in, its, in this show. The red line took riders off planet to other destinations in the galaxy, while the green line provided local transportation to Tomorrowland's hover burbs. Just reading this and knowing that, like, this is what it should probably be, like, they were on the right track. Yeah, for that being, or that tying into the overall storyline for Tomorrowland. Yeah. That works. Yeah, I think we I need definitely, to get rid I of... appreciate what they were trying to go with for Magic Kingdom's Tomorrowland and the ways this was fixing that problem 
a yeah, lot more than it was trying like, to be fixed in Disneyland. Because like Tomorrowland, all the other lands now, like let's look at Magic Kingdom, right? All the other lands are pretty cohesive, right, for the most part. But like Tomorrowland, now you have like Tron out there, and you have the Tomorrowland Magic, Magic, uh, the Tomorrowland Motor Speedway. Tomorrowland Speedway. Speedway Motor <laughs> Magic Speedway. I don't know. And wow, and then. Monsters Inc. Laugh Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor. Carousel Progress. The other side of Monsters Inc. is not being used for anything. Yeah, because they got rid of the horrible ride that existed prior. It's Stitch. like they now they don't even. It's not even. It's it's not cohesive anymore. Yeah, it it's needs, now just it become, needs rebranding again to figure out the story. Yeah, because like Tron is like doesn't fit in anything. I mean, Tron is it will be a really cool ride, but it just like doesn't fit in thematically with anything. I guess I guess Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom has its own Tomorrowland problems. Other services provided by the Transit Authority, including interstate highway maintenance and long-distance space travel, were alluded to in the ride's narration. It was a great backstory and helped provide the impression of a much larger transportation system within Tomorrowland. <laughs> if only listeners could see the if facial only reading. listeners could see any of my facial expressions. And let's move on to more updates. In the fall of 2009, the ride would receive some more enhancements and a new narration, this time featuring the voice of Mike Brassell. You said that with an interesting enunciation. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, or it's just Brassell. Brassell? Brassell. Brassell. We apologize. He had previously worked for the Disney parks, including narrating one of... My Emily's ultimate Walt Disney World attractions. Living with the Land. Uh, and also composed music for the Disney yeah. parks. Roughly a year later, the attraction name was changed and has since rested on Tomorrowland Transit Authority, People Mover, or the TTA, People Mover for short. People Mover was once again added to the attraction name two almost two decades later since guests were already referring to it as the people mover very good choice like this is one these are kind of a couple of the things that uh exist within like the disney realm where disney will insist that it's named one thing but the fans will just call you know what it truly is and finally disney will like relent yeah like all right i guess it's sticking for long enough with fans we'll finally switch it you know, like what was, there's another one I always reference as, they they called something different, but now I always reference it as, now I can't, <laughs> like drawing a blank. I had a, I had a nice parallel, but now I, I've completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> that parallel fell flat. Yeah. The new narration is similar to the original Wedway People Mover narration and includes segments introducing all attractions into Marland. One of the fun additions was adding voiceover actors doing character voices at different locations of the journey for example when gus when gus when guests come up to mickey's star traders they hear mickey mouse talking in the ride cars the same is true for buzz lightyear when we approach space ranger spin one other fun addition is guests hear an announcement which is probably one of the most quoted and notorious lines that says Paging Mr. Morrow, Mr. Tom Morrow, please contact Mr. Johnson in the control tower to confirm your flight to the moon. My shirt says, yeah. like, property of Mr. Mr. Tom, Tom Morrow. Morrow. Yeah. Emily is a Disney stan. She's just getting all the deep edits on I'm a on Tom the... Morrow stan. Tom Morrow stan. <laughs> 2022. Oh, very recent update. The narration was updated to feature an entirely new narration by Orac 5, a reference to the narrator character Orac 1, replacing the narration done by Mike Purcell. 
the safety spiel was also updated to make references to aliens and other sci-fi tropes. While much of the dialogue is still the same, just with a new voice, the narration now features references to past iterations of the people of Mover's narration, as well as references to defunct rides and attractions from Tomorrowland's history, such as If You Had Wings, which... You have no clue what that is, I'm sure. I have no clue what any one of these are. If You Had Wings, The Timekeeper, and the song The Best Time of Your Life from the 1975 version of The Carousel of Progress. That is an extremely controversial song because they added that or like replaced The Best Time of Your Life uh, with The Great Big Beautiful beautiful Tomorrow. So obviously everybody freaked out because they're like, wait, what? And it had a completely different message Mm. than Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow. So it's just very interesting that now they've incorporated all these like now defunct pieces of Tomorrowland history. I'm a huge fan when Disney does that. Yeah, no, that's cool. very cool. I don't, I didn't, I, I don't know what any of these. Why well, I, I don't? Well, we'll we will. I guarantee there, we will eventually talk about many of these extinct attractions. The Timekeeper is a very interesting one. That's an attraction Robin Williams was involved with. Hmm, that's very cool. Oh, the Tomorrowland so problem. Those are all the changes that have taken place over the years, and we will get to experience the newest one when we go. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, um... we are going to end on one final story. So that's that compiles all the people movers history within the Disney parks. So still operating in existence today in Magic Kingdom, and it's the only one in a Disney park now. Last one. It's a shame. It's a real really, shame. I really hope. I it's mean, I can't shame. imagine they would ever get rid of something like that in Magic Kingdom because it's it's such a people eater and it works so well there. People love it, so it's I just like hope it's such it a shame continues. that it's on Disneyland. It's like such a shame it's on Disneyland. Okay, it's hold so... on, Clayton. I was just gonna say I really hope that they just continue yeah. to treat it with so much love and care, maintain it over the years, and hopefully give some attention to that progress city model yeah like spruce it up a bit take really good care of it because again i don't quite know if there are any pieces of it left in existence but it's not like they're on display anywhere for us to see this is the only remaining remnant of that for us yeah it should be up kept absolutely so now we're going to get into a piece of people mover history adjacent that i did not know about so there's actually a Disney-built people mover that exists outside of Disney property. There is only one, but it is still operating today. Now, Clayton, did you have any idea about this? No, because I thought I did, and then you told me what it actually was, and so I was actually incorrect, which is not surprising. So, <laughs> so over the years, people mover-style vehicle systems were introduced in different parts of the country. Like people movers... While they're not always called people mover or branded as a Disney version, like these exist in lots of places where it'll be like a round trip transport that can quickly move people around. This isn't like exclusive to Disney by any means. It's been adopted all over the world. Yeah. Specifically, this will take place at places like airports Mm -hmm. since the design works so well in environments like this, you know, to help take people from point A to point B. Like the big one would be like Orlando Airport, uh, Pittsburgh Airport, because they they're kind of like their main ticketing segment is actually a little bit off of where the actual terminals are. I guess it makes it a little bit easier for, you know, space and uh, how you design an airport. And having that ability, basically that like always moving tram where you don't have to really dedicate people to it. Super efficient. 
Absolutely. So yeah, they do exist other places. They just do not have that distinction of being built by Disney, except for one place. Let's head on back into the 70s again. In 1974, WED, W-E-D, created the Community Transportation Services Division to promote the people mover in real world environments. So they were actually very serious about trying to like sell this around the country. This was called the WED Transportation Systems, Inc. WED created its own new division whose sole focus was to sell to cities and municipalities. So what would they be selling? The People Mover, of course, as a transportation system to non-Disney properties. How wild is this? Yeah, like things could be so different, I think, if we, uh, if we picked this up. Yeah, Disney was actually looking into designing transportation for places outside of Disney. I think if he was able to live longer, I think he really, really would have fought for this and like sought it through, sought it through, and made it be like the big thing yeah. happening around like the really, US. He really, really would have pushed for it. Epcot would have been completely different. Like, I mean, there's a chance Epcot fails, I guess, but he would have really pushed to try to see some of the stuff come to fruition. Yeah. Walt really believed that his people and himself and his ideas, they could change the world. It was a lot bigger than just providing amusement parks or theme parks to people. He wanted to create a better future for people. That's something that very much gets lost, I think, in Disney history. There were bigger visions. Yeah. They had had more impactful views of the future and what it could be and really were trying to push the boundaries of where we as a society could go. And a lot of that, unfortunately, probably went with him when he passed, unfortunately. So um, at that point, it's like you want to honor his vision as much as possible, but they were probably less likely to financially try to extend out in there if it didn't make sense financially. And... In all honesty, Walt Disney was probably, not probably, he was the most passionate about these ideas and the one propelling it forward. You always hear about after he passed, the company didn't really know what to do. That's very true. So he was the driving force for all this. He was the driving force of everything. Without him and this really crazy, innovative, almost like bonkers idea that had never been done before, I'm pretty sure no one else knew how to push it through or what to That's do without him as a leader. Probably also very Like true. they were just trying to figure out how to operate Disneyland. Uh, they, and, and Disney animation and yeah, you know, they had build enough, Magic Kingdom. And, they had enough you know. going on. So it's like you can't really blame the Disney company for not seeing it through when yeah. the person who believed in it the most, like I don't know if people thought he was crazy for thinking about doing something like Epcot, but when you think about Disneyland... And that, like, that was a completely bonkers idea to people to create this theme park. Yeah. It had never been done before in that scope. And he was the one that made sure it happened because, honestly, nobody believed in him. So that, honestly, could have been a similar case for Epcot and trying to push the people mover. I mean, he's he's he was right because if you look at other countries and they're not reliance on motor vehicles... They're, they do just fine. He was very ahead of his time. He And he just, it's just a direction that we did not go with as a country at the time. And, um, you know, things could be a lot different had we done that. 
you know, we could have like high speed, we could potentially have like high speed rail or maybe a little bit more cohesive of a public transport system because he was pushing for this in the fifties. And that was a time where all this infrastructure, you know, could have been built with minimal intrusion. Now it's just, it's much more difficult and there's so much red tape and all this stuff to get it done. He was really a really ahead of his time. And like with everything you look at from the start with creating Snow White and then I would say the next really big move was Disneyland and then shifting into a crazy idea like Epcot and creating entirely new transportation systems. It just kind of kept building on each other with a completely new idea that had never been done before. Yeah. And then people learned off of his yeah. decisions. But he was very ahead of his time. He was doing things that no one else had done before. And it was a lot of risk taking. Very much so. Even though we do have the people mover in Magic Kingdom, like we've talked about, it's much more of an attraction. It's not an actual real life transportation system to help you with departing and arriving from different places from point A to point B. But the attraction proves that this technology actually worked. Like it was extremely efficient. As we've said, it can push like 4,600 people an hour at Magic Kingdom. It worked. It works, yeah. In the 70s, Disney put in place a dedicated subsidiary called Wed Transportation Systems, like we said, to promote and start selling it in the real world. And it was indeed bought and installed at George Bush Intercontinental Airport at Houston, Texas, as their interterminal train in September of 1981. It's the only Disney transportation system installed outside a Disney property. And WED Transportation Systems has been an inactive ever since. This was their only sell outside of Disney property. Now, there's actually a brochure that was created to promote the WEDway People Mover. So, like, this is insane because you don't see this kind of stuff really ever shown when it comes to Disney history. But they actually had, like, brochures. They were incredibly serious about trying to help spread this transportation system around the world more like around the country to start but yeah they really wanted to push this no i think yeah they, oh yeah they definitely see in the brochure they have a picture they have the uh, world's fair for the ford journey what's the ford ride called ford's magic skyway ford magic skyway and then they have the people mover disneyland people mover the linear induction wedway people mover and then yeah the houston airport wedway people mover and like even talks about like how you can install it and like what it would look like, how its operation looks. It was it's very, very cool. thorough. Yeah, it's very thorough. What could have been? Yeah. So really, Walt and his imagination, his vision for the people mover, it happened. It happened outside of Disney and was put in the real world as a below ground subway system at this airport in Texas. The system built by Disney, even to this day, provides efficient transportation between terminals in the Marriott Hotel. It operates in a circuit and provides a total round trip for people. Yeah, I wonder, that's probably more efficient than what we experienced when we went to the Boston Airport. Boston Airport, you have to get on that bus uh, that takes you around all the shuttles. It's like a nightmare. Yeah, like, I mean, was, like, it, it would was... be so much nicer if they had like a people mover <laughs> instead yeah. of relying on a bus. I have to rely on that because that's our most recent airport experience that uh, involved. Uh, we don't do a whole lot of flying. <laughs> well, like normally we fly out of SFO as like one big uh, kind of super connected terminal. 
uh, when we landed in Boston, I, I we it, it's like five terminals, but all connected via bus. It's not as, let's say, efficient, maybe. It's, it's, all... it's a less desirable experience than people would like to encounter. Anyways, so yes, this is the only people mover built by Disney off of Disney property. It actually uses much of the same mechanical technology employed by the Tomorrowland Transit Authority People Mover at Disney World. Still there, still in operation, and it is considered the third People Mover made by Disney. Hmm. Only one existing outside of Disney Park. I just thought that was crazy. I've never heard of this story before. I know. I, that I... they actually, like, the Disney company started their own division to try and sell people movers. That's how serious they were about yeah. this. They believed in it. Yeah. I wonder I wonder what yeah, what could have been. Well, that's the people mover. There you have it, folks. That's that is mover. everything about the people mover that we could at least find. I feel like we're gonna find more after we're done recording. That's typically what happens. Yeah. But if you do want some more info, because this is just there's still a little bit more information. We're going to bring that to Patreon to talk more about the rocket rods because uh, that seems a little bit more niche of a topic for people yeah. to learn about. Well, yeah, I mean, it only existed for like two years yeah. or so. Two years. <laughs> so we're going to, any information that I still have remaining about the people mover and rocket ro- rocket rods, we're going to bring to Patreon. So if you want to hear that, look out for some bonus content there. We have a couple tiers, but with a membership as low as $2 a month, you get access to all of our bonus episodes. We'll have that there for you. We'll also talk more about the history of creating that Progress City model, just because we kind of ran out of time today. How to keep it moving. Yeah, that is the people mover. The people mover. And as usual, I'll always include links to everything in the show notes. So if you want to check out some bonus content and also support the show at the same time, patreon.com slash makeitmagicalpod. And if people want to find us, where can they reach us, Clayton? They can probably find us most efficiently on Instagram at makeitmagicalpod, which if you are not following, you should follow us now and follow along on the Punish the Podcaster for Magic fundraising event. Uh, again, we are raising money for Chalk uh, in collaboration with Podcasts Mike for Mike Podcast Podcast Mike's for Magic, right? That's right, yeah. And so we will be. We hope to unlock all of our little activities, and we'll post, of course, all that for people to follow along as we do it. So we really, really hope that you can donate a little bit. We will match all of it, and we hope to have a pretty fun time doing this. So yeah, please follow us. Also interact with us on there. We love yeah. chatting with all of our listeners about Disney. Or you can always email us if you don't have social media yeah. at makeitmagicalpod at gmail.com. Nice and easy. Don't forget, if you also want to help support the show, a very easy way to do so is by leaving us a rating or a review those go a long way for us. They just give us a little more exposure, help more people find us. So if you have just literally one second, you can leave a five-star review or rating. <laughs> I always get confused with these. And if you have a minute or two, leave go that ahead review. and leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts. It's greatly appreciated. We read them on the show to show our thanks. Anything else, Clayton? 
I do not think so. Well, I have one thing to plug. Oh. Look out because we have a very exciting milestone we're about to reach. Oh, yeah. Episode 50. 50. This is the one I've been waiting for. I've been prepping for it for I don't know how long. So we're going to start a whole series and cover a very important topic that will span many episodes. I don't know how many yet, but that is the episode you want to for sure be there for because we will be announcing some very big stuff probably at the start of the episode. Yes. So look out for that. Look out for that. We'll, we'll leave it there. Keep we'll you hanging. give you two episodes to uh, stew over what could be coming. Yeah, but- episode... 50. Episode 50 will be a big, big milestone. Yeah, so, so come celebrate with us on reaching this huge moment for the podcast. And yeah, till then. Till then. Remember to be kind to each other and let's, let's make, make it, it magical. magical. Bye, everybody.